In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be comfortable. Hey, good morning. Several, several years ago, on one of our trips to Honduras, my daughter Emily uh, was part of the group. And the, the flight home, uh, leaving Honduras, we always have a layover, Miami or Houston, I don't remember which, but the flight from San Pedro Sula to Miami was really crowded, full of, of other missionaries. And, um, and so Emily and I couldn't sit together. She, we were, were kind of in random seats. So she sat next to um, two people from another mission team uh, who were wearing their matching shirts. Um, depending on your faith tradition, mission trips mean different things. And uh, for some people, they wear matching shirts, kind of like, you know, the army of God going in. And, um, and so Emily was sitting next to um, a woman and her husband who had been on the trip. And so um, after the flight, Emily says, Dad, that lady asked me a question I didn't know how to answer. And I said, well, what did she ask you? She, she said, were you on a mission trip? And I said, yeah. And she said, us too. How many people did you save? <laughs> and Emily said, I... I don't know. It really wasn't that kind of a mission trip. And she said, we saved 37 people. I can't imagine her putting her hands on her hip. But, but in the, we all know there's not enough room on those seats to put your hand on your hips. But it was a, a different sort of understanding of, of a mission trip and a different understanding of salvation. And my guess is, Emily's not the first person, or first Episcopalian, to be a little confused by that question. Have you, maybe by a, uh, a co-worker, a well-meaning friend, even someone at the door knocking with some brochures, been asked, are you saved? Or, have you been saved? Or, when were you saved? Have you been asked that? Yeah. At the door. Yeah. It happens all the time. And so I think it's important that we deal with it. We need to understand for our own, because I think it leaves a lot of us, maybe who are not from that tradition, feeling insecure or embarrassed, maybe. So how do we answer that? Well, um, I have two ways to address that question. And really, there may speak more about my own sort of wrestling with it. But I'll, I'll share that with you, okay? Um, the first problem I have with that question, are you saved, when, have, when were you saved, um, is that it doesn't work like that for all people. It just, it, it just doesn't. It's kind of like, um, it's kind of like asking someone... When did you fall in love with your spouse? Now, for some people, it is love at first sight, isn't it? And you could probably then name the exact date, time, place, situation, circumstances when you fell in love with your spouse. But not everybody falls in love like that. For some people, maybe for a lot of people, maybe for most people, it's a gradual progression. It's a deepening of a relationship. And so when, if someone was to say, so, when did you fall in love? 
It would be hard to answer that, wouldn't it? Our relationship with Christ is, to me, is kind of like falling in love. And for some of us, there is that sort of lightning bolt moment when we know it and we can mark it. And thanks be to God that it happened so dramatically, that our lives are transformed so suddenly and completely. If that has been your experience, I praise God that the Spirit is so active and involved and unmistakable in your life. But not everybody falls in love with Jesus like that. For some, it's a slower progress. It's a relationship that builds and has its ebbs and flows. I like John's gospel for a lot of reasons, one of which is because John gives, um, in the entirety of the gospel and in, in this reading today, gives a lot of space for the relationship, people's relationship with Christ to grow. Notice John the Baptist, uh, John the Baptizer. We, we've started calling, I've started calling him, other scholars have started calling him John the Baptizer because otherwise, if we call him John the Baptist, it just gives too much free publicity to the Southern Baptist Convention, right? <laughs> so we call him John the Baptizer. It's only fair. Okay. But notice that John the Baptizer has to say twice, look, there's the Lamb of God. It takes a while for people to recognize. Even uh, Andrew and, and his unnamed companion, they spent all day sitting with Jesus face to face before they sort of get it. It goes on throughout John's gospel. Nicodemus, right, that conversation he has with Jesus. Wait, I've got to be born. I've got to go back inside my mom and be born again? I don't get this. Right? The woman at the well, they go back and forth. There are all these misunderstandings because our relationship with Christ, sometimes, for some of us, it takes a while. And you know what? That doesn't mean we're any less saved. The second thing I, that I, I struggle with in this question about have you been saved, AJ, when were you saved, AJ, is that it puts so much emphasis on me and my experience, on the personal and the private, as if Jesus died only to take away my sins. Does that make sense? My sins. And that is sort of the basic and, 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 and true, uh, I'm not meaning to suggest it's not true, but we do sort of understand that Jesus died to take away the sins of the world. But that's not what the scripture says. Did you hear that? Because you went to Bible study. John, the baptizer, says, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin, sin, sin of the world. Now, what's the difference between sin and sins? Well, well, let's start with the, well, let's start with the easier one. Not that we're going to name any specifics, or I'm not, you don't have to say it out loud. But we have lots of sins, don't we? Things that we do or left undone. Either we've committed or omitted. Those are sins. Those are our actions. And so to say that Jesus takes away our sins is critical and important. 
Absolutely. We need to know that our relationship with God through Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit has been restored. So I get that. But when John says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, he's, in, he's inviting us to, to understand this work of Christ in, in, in a much broader way. The sin of the world, the capital S singular, is, is what I understand, what I try to explain in preparation for baptism, to be a state of separation, an alienation. This relationship with God is God not only desired and intend, but really yearns for, with all of creation, has been broken, separated. And in that condition, we need to be restored. We need for that condition to be taken away. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. Just like two chapters later when Jesus will say, or, uh, God so loved what? Did God love AJ? Well, yeah. Did God love you? Yeah. Did God love Episcopalians? Of course. But it's bigger than all of that. God so loved the world. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold this Lamb of God who restores what is broken. That's an invitation into a relationship that is restored. That's what Jesus offers us, us, all the world. When? And where and how, it, the moment it happens, is that really what's so important? I think it's the living into it. That's what's so important. That's what's so amazing. That's what God offers us in and through the Son of God, this, this gate, this opening, this access to restoration is fully offered, fully on display. It takes time for some of us to live into it, to fully grasp it, to fully trust it. So don't be put off. Don't be embarrassed or ashamed if you can't answer the exact time. And if you still are a little unsure, that's okay as well. Behold the Lamb of God who invites you into a different relationship. And some of those relationships take time to fully realize the depth and breadth and life-changing nature of them. I guess the best, thing, the best thing that we can say is to come and see. That's what Jesus says. What are you looking for? Teacher, where are you staying? Come and see. The important thing isn't when. The important thing is to come and see. Now we'll sing. We're going to sing at the... No, don't worry. You're, you know this. <clears throat> at communion, we will sing what's called, what we call the Agnus Dei. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Um, in some of the settings in the hymnal, it's plural S. Uh, this, today, if you can, and it's not to say that the other's not true also, but if you can, I encourage you to try to say the sin of the world. To fully, to fully embrace and accept this other additional, 
not replacement, an additional way of understanding the work of Christ. To open up to the world this restored relationship. To take away the state of separation and alienation from God and one another. So come and see. Come and sing. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world.